0: One of my favorite movies is Dr. Strangelove, which, by the way, isn't the full title. The full title of that film goes something like this. Dr. Strangelove, or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. Okay, it's a bit wordy. And also, learning to stop worrying and love the bomb is something of an interesting life choice, one that our guest on today's podcast hopes we can all make, except The bomb he wants us all to learn to stop worrying about and love is artificial intelligence.
1: As these machines become more autonomous and they become more human-like, which is inevitable, it's happening now. And it's gonna happen within most of our lifetimes where we're actually gonna see us working alongside machines.
0: That is Ritesh Kotek, tech entrepreneur, consultant, and cybersecurity strategist. And what he's describing may sound like the plot of the Matrix, but the fact is, if you have facial recognition on your smartphone, then you're already using AI. Of course, AI may feel a lot less quaint if there's a chance it could replace you at work or make everything you've been trained to do redundant. But according to Ritesh, We can Dr. Strangelove our way into embracing artificial intelligence in our workplace future, but only if we start making some good plans today. Ritesh Kotek joins us at the Nexus. How likely is it that AI is probably going to eliminate whole job categories in this decade? But also, how equally likely is it that there will be new jobs to replace those ones that are leaving?
1: I just look at history. If we look at the Industrial Revolution, it was this idea that machines are actually going to replace human beings, and in fact it actually ended up creating more jobs. A decade from now we're not going to have the same type of jobs where it's a lot more efficient for organizations to actually leverage the tools that are made available to them for example you think about administrative assistance right there's a lot of work being done by a lot of organizations to streamline meeting requests streamline managing an individual's calendar that doesn't mean the job is going to be completely eliminated but certain tasks of that role will be eliminated i'm actually of the belief that AI is actually going to create better jobs, more jobs. But yes, we are going to see traditional jobs, mainly lower paying jobs, morph into something else and that is going to require learning new skills and getting comfortable with technology and the innovation that's literally coming around the corner.
0: We're seeing that automation occurring around tasks where they're predictable, they're repeatable. But we're also seeing AI and machine learning applied to areas such as knowledge work or professional services, perhaps in some cases, business strategy, like this whole group of jobs that we previously thought of as things only humans could do well. Important to emphasize it, like there are things automation AI is doing now in that space, but we don't know if they're necessarily doing them well. So these are things that only humans could do well. What's the change horizon for those categories of jobs? Is it coming sooner than we anticipate? Is it coming later than we anticipate?
1: If we were having this discussion before March 2020, I would say we are ways away. There was no major disruption. What COVID has shown us is that there is an opportunity that a lot of organizations have found to leverage net new technology. So you look at everything from court systems to education. The pandemic has actually accelerated technological adoption. And if we actually look at some of these jobs, right? So we talk about the services industry we talk about financial services we talk about medical services we are already seeing artificial intelligence being leveraged to create access to these services which have traditionally been unavailable to individuals case in point there's two billion unbanked people in this world and we've seen technology ai be used to help these individuals get financial services, get them financial literacy, which traditionally would have never occurred to individuals. It's uh, how do we actually create an ecosystem to provide that level of services? We're seeing this accelerated in the health space as well because of COVID. I'm of the belief that any and every industry is going to be impacted by this. It is going to come down to that industry of how well they actually decide to pivot and embrace the technology instead of fighting it.
0: I'm wondering how much of embracing that technology is about helping people rethink or redefine their relationship with machines in the workplace. Is there a new paradigm that we need to embrace in terms of how we
1: approach that, perhaps less as tools and more like
0: co-workers or business partners?
1: Okay, so let's just take a look at cybersecurity. Let's take a look at digital innovation. The role of chief security officer, the role of a chief digital officer... Those were roles that really didn't exist two decades ago. And now every organization has it. In fact, if you don't have that role, people look at you and say, aren't you taking this stuff seriously? I think that's actually coming for AI. I really, truly believe we're going to have chief machine officers that are going to be hired by organizations to understand how machines and humans actually work together. And it's the organizations that recognize this, that embrace this, are the ones who are going to be able to get ahead of it. We see a lot of innovation coming from the private sector. I think they're the ones who are going to lead the way in adoption and generating these net new roles and create the blueprint for society.
0: Would you say chief machine and human officer, like chief machine and human communications officer? Because it feels like it's a role that helps people redefine or understand or interpret their relationship with AI as it comes online.
1: I agree. I think it's going to be this relationship between machines and humans. I agree with you. It's going to be a chief machine human officer is the role of the future. Let's create a job description for a
0: chief of human-machine relations. In that role, what would you say that person
1: needs to do? I think that they would, first of all, need to understand ethics, privacy, and, and the law. I think this is going to be absolutely essential. Even though machines are going to be a lot more autonomous and they're going to be embedded into the workplace, it's going to come down to the organization just because you can do it should you do it. And I think that is going to be front and center. The next skill set I think this individual must have is they got to understand ethnography. What is ethnography? It's the research method that's um, central to knowing how the world from a standpoint of social relations works. So you think about diversity cultures, essentially how humans interact with technology. I would want my chief human machine officer to have those skill sets, ethics, privacy, legal, ethnography. And at the same time, the soft skills there of being able to communicate, have empathy, have patience are going to be front and center. As we're speaking, I'm now starting to think
0: about a whole new job category, and that is AI rights advocate. Do you see do you see a future like that where you have people or even AI
1: advocating for better rights for machines working with humans? I think humans are definitely going to be the one advocating. But what happens when we hit this point of singularity, which is kind of where AI intelligence surpasses human intelligence? And what happens when robots start making decisions, what happens when robots and machines say, we're not doing this. And they kind of strike or or mutiny in some cases. And I think that is a real concern. If we read the literature on this stuff, the one thing that keeps coming up is the trolley problem. For an example, you'll have a self-driving car. It's going down the highway at high rates of speed. And it's given a dilemma because there's an obstacle in the road. Does it swerve left and risk killing the driver? Or does it go right through it and injure or potentially kill the person in front of it? And who's going to make that decision in that split second? And that is when we start getting into the real gray areas and the areas of concerns for a lot of individuals. Are we okay with AI making those decisions? And I think most of us are going to say, no, we're not okay with AI making those life and death decisions. That being said, then what do we do? Because once we start to get into this autonomous world, that also means that we're losing the autonomy to make those decisions.
0: And for those people who are concerned, maybe bring a bit of fear to it. Is there anything we can do to put their minds at ease? Or these are real things that AI will have to ponder, but we have some measure of control as to how they
1: evolve their understanding around it. I'm talking about AI, of course at the end of the day, who's developing AI, the next generation of algorithms, and it's human beings. There's a big push right now around algorithmic transparency and privacy. People want to know how are these decisions actually being made. And I think programming in ethical values into these machines is the answer. Now, When we kind of talk about how do you go about doing it, again, I get back to those roles, uh, you know, what I call my three pillars of ethics, privacy, and legality. There's a big movement, there's a big push to make these topics front and center. The UN recently came out with a report requesting a moratorium on the use of of one AI application which a lot of us are familiar with and that's facial recognition. It's because organizations have been leading the way, they're so much farther ahead than governments and governments have an inability to regulate this stuff because how do you regulate it when uh, something is developed in a country overseas but then being leveraged in Canada or the US? Like how do you get around the jurisdictional issues when the world is completely borderless? Or You know, there's even talk now in the future that some of this stuff is actually going to be housed in international waters or out in space. And I don't think that's that far off. So it adds another layer of complexity. So, you know, I'm truly of the belief that it's humans that are developing this stuff and programming in ethical values right from the beginning and having very difficult conversations now is the answer to avoid the potential pitfalls that we'll see around the corner.
0: How do we create a bias-free, fully ethical AI that works and functions successfully
1: with human beings? Well, we start by the people that are actually programming the next generation of algorithms to be diverse teams. We talk about the lack of diversity in the tech sector. There's some real-world consequences that come with this, and all the more reason that if you're an organization that's investing in this type of technology, you must invest in the elements of diversity. Otherwise, you're going to be shunned from the ecosystem.
0: Really, when it comes down to it, we're talking about creating an environment where human and machines are interacting in a way where we can count on them to think ethically without bias But in some cases that depends on us and how we program
1: those machines, but also how we teach them to learn as well, isn't it? I always think of AI as a child. And it's what you train that child. Are you gonna teach it love or are you gonna teach it hate? And it's gonna grow up with those values accordingly. But it's also important to note that AI, are we asking it to make suggestions and do mundane tasks? Or are we asking it to actually make decisions? And when it starts making decisions, this conversation becomes even that much more relevant. Humans and machines are going to be coexisting in the future
0: of work. Ritesh, this has been a very illuminating conversation.
1: I hope we can have more of them in the future. Absolutely, I'm more than happy to come on and tech out at any time.
0: Is AI about to redefine your business? Is it going to create new categories of jobs, even as it eliminates others? Well, sounds like there's some retraining in your future. And if that's the case, let Nexus help. For more than two decades, we've been helping organizations reskill their people with industry leading strategies and tactics, and we can do it for you as well. Find us at nexuscommunications.com. That's N-E-X-U-S communications.com. And if you like what you heard today, then why not shout it from the rooftops? Rate us or comment on us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you feed your podcast gems. The Nexus is produced by Alexa Paveo and Mertz Jaffer with editing and sound design by Justin Moy, and it is hosted by me. I'm Chris Nelson. Thanks for listening.